Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, and you're listening to the Powercat Pregame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Kansas State will be making its fourth all-time appearance in the Big 12 Championship football game on Saturday as the 10th-ranked Wildcats will square off with the third-ranked TCU Horned Frogs at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The game will be televised nationally on ABC beginning at 11 a.m. with Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, and Holly Rowe calling the action for the network. And, of course, Kansas State and TCU in Arlington is the chosen stop for ESPN's College Game Day this week. Welcome to the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com. And that's right, this is the fourth time that Kansas State has appeared in the Big 12 championship game and only the second time in school history, as far as I can tell. The Wildcats will have a rematch within the same season. The first time it happened well let me know if this sounds familiar kansas state lost a 10-point decision to oklahoma in the regular season and then lost a narrow game in the big 12 championship later that year in kansas city of course kansas state has already lost to tcu this season back in week seven a 10-point loss to the frogs 38-28 in a game in which Will Howard came in for the first time in the season and looked great in the first half, and then everything kind of came unraveled for the Wildcats in the second half. Folks, this game has all the makings of a classic, but we'll see how it plays out when these teams tangle on Saturday morning in Central Texas. And to get you ready for all of that, we have a great lineup, our usual lineup, but some incredible interviews to go with it. In the first half of the podcast, our own Ryan Wallace, who covers football recruiting and pitches in on team coverage, will join us shortly after he finishes watching the TCU-K-State game from back in October for the second time. Bless him for doing so. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Brian Hanley, our football analyst, and he'll have some very interesting things to say about being an unbeaten 
unbeaten team going into the Big 12 title game with so much at stake and maybe a shot at the national title. Why? Because he was an offensive lineman on that 1998 Kansas State team that took the Wildcats to the cusp of their first Big 12 title and the national championship game before being stunned in overtime by Texas A&M. Could K-State be swapping roles with the Aggies this week against the unbeaten Frogs? And then, of course, we'll finish out the show with our own Ryan Gilbert to talk about some of the odds and betting lines around college football as we take a look at the Power 5 schedule this weekend for title games. We throw in the American because we love them. And then we'll wrap up the show with my one thing to keep an eye on during the course of this game. And among the players you will hear from in today's pregame podcast will be Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn and Eli Huggins from the defensive side of the ball. And at the end of this first segment, after we talk to Ryan Wallace, we'll have an extended excerpt from Tuesday's press conference with Chris Kleiman about this game, about this team, and about this opponent. But before we get to our interview with our own Ryan Wallace, let's remember this. Win or lose... Kansas State is almost assuredly headed to the Sugar Bowl, either as Big 12 champions because they beat TCU and the Big 12 champion now goes to the Sugar Bowl, or as the replacement for the Big 12 champion, TCU. If the Frogs win, they will be in the four-team college football playoff, allowing Kansas State to go to the Sugar Bowl. And the likely opponent? You got it. It's Alabama. December could be a very big month for Kansas State football, but let's focus on the task at hand, which is TCU and K-State in the Big 12 Championship. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company because at Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships, selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company continues to be the title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace to talk about the Cats and Frogs in Arlington in a very, very big game for both of these programs. It always is when you make it to the conference championship and K-State and TCU, of course, met in the middle of the season with the Frogs getting a victory after a big first half from Will Howard and the Cats. But my, oh my, how things changed in the second half of that game. Ryan Wallace, you went back and uh, painfully rewatched that game. What did you learn (laughs) after your second assessment of TCU's victory over K-State earlier this year? Well, I went back predominantly because I wanted to see what was it that TCU figured out you know, in, in the second half, was it something that TCU did? Was it something that K-State didn't do? And, you know, for the most part, I, I came up uh, away kind of thinking that both teams did a lot of the same things from the first half. I think the difference for Kansas State was obviously they were doing it with different pieces. There were so many players uh, that, that were injured either coming into that game and, and re-injured something or got nicked up. I mean, you, you start going down that list to remind, to refresh people's memories. You know, you had obviously Adrian Martinez that played for a series. Uh, then Will Howard comes in. And then remember, he had to come off at some point during that game. And then Jake Rubley came in and then Will Howard came back in. Uh, ben Sennett got nicked up in that game. Um, actually didn't have a single receiving target. So that tells you how much has changed, you know, since the last time these two teams faced. Uh, 
Deuce Vaughn played, um, but I think we all can agree maybe wasn't 100% at that point. Uh, Julius Brintz played, but was kind of nursing a hamstring injury. Daniel Green only played 16 snaps. Khalid Duke um, had the ejection for for targeting. Um, and then Josh Hayes at one point had to go to the locker room and then ended up coming back to the field. But I don't think he was running at 100%. And so Again, from the K-State standpoint of things, I just don't think they were at full strength, obviously. And you saw that really hinder in their execution in the second half. And then on the other hand, I think with TCU, I, I expected to, I guess in my memory, thinking of them dialing up pressure and all this, they really didn't. Uh, I just think that they were uh, executed a little bit more soundly. Uh, on defense, didn't have to go against Will Howard the entire second half either um, that because of the spell that he did come off the field. And so all in all, I think TCU kind of settled in and, you know, K-State's injuries and, and depth wound up plaguing them. Yeah, those injuries were just remarkable. And I, <clears throat> I've said this before, I've never seen anything like it. I've just never seen a team run through so many players with injuries in the course of a game but only two of those injuries meant the play stopped because Will Howard was down and Ben Sennett was down. Every other injury, they, it was like the walking dead. They make it to the sideline, and then next thing you know, they're headed to the locker room. We never see him again. And for me, the most troubling of those injuries in this particular matchup was Daniel Deuce Green. And I'm getting ready to record on Thursday a segment for CBS Sports HQ, and they asked me in preparation who's the x factor and i thought about it long and hard and honestly i thought about the offense mostly and then i thought hold on the problem with this game the first time around was as chris Kleiman has said repeatedly we couldn't get their offense off the field and uh, Kendry Miller, the running back, is so good um, that they they could get him down on first contact. And that first contact quite often comes from a guy named Daniel Green. So I, I think getting Deuce, that Deuce, back in the middle of the defense is just so vital for Kansas State. And they got to stay healthy in this game because we know this, the Frogs are physical. Some might say dirty at times. I went back and looked at the injury on Will Howard. Dude, that was dirty. I mean, that was just, that was, he tried to punch the ball out and in the process actually punched Will, but then he gave the old arms out to the side, don't break my fall, fall on the quarterback routine, which is, it's dirty. I'm sorry. There's no way around it. Um, and uh, they just got to stay healthy through this game and, and be physical back. Match the physicality of TCU, which isn't easy. I think you nailed it, though, with, with Deuce Green. Um, I, him only playing in 16 snaps in this one um, really, really made a difference. And, I mean, even if you go into the first half that K-State played, you know, so well, really up until TCU punched one in late there right before halftime, um, it, I, even then you could see glimpses of things that would, would, would happen in the second half in terms of linebackers not playing, you know, shooting the gap and, and missed tackles on Kendra Miller or, you know, not playing assignment sound, shooting the wrong gap. Um, there were a lot of a game where K-State's defense kind of had everything aligned right and the execution was just not there um you know austin moore um is a he's a machine you know he's a robot but he needs a guy like daniel green playing next to him it was very obvious you know when you had nick allen who's a very good you know run stopping guy but again kind of lacks that athleticism 
TCU's a team that can take advantage of that, both in the run with a guy like Kendra Miller or in the pass. They can expose that real quick. Remember Bo Paul got in at times Gavin Forche, who I think specializes more as a pass rusher than in, as an actual kind of anchor down run support coverage and that sort of thing. He played a lot. And so again, I think having deuce green on the field for a majority of the snaps um, and then kind of flexing in Nick Allen as you need, because obviously TCU is going to ratchet up that, that pace. You're going to have to get some, some backups in there. But, you know, when that backup is Nick Allen, instead of all due respect, Bo Palmer, it, it makes a difference. TCU is going to see the difference. And uh, you're right, Fitz. I think you're not going to see K-State's defense out there for 38 minutes like they were at Amon G. Carter Stadium back in October when we saw TCU go 10 for 19 on third downs and two for four on fourth downs. This defense, because of Daniel Green, I really believe that. Uh, it is going to look a lot different to these Horn Frogs. They're going to get off the field a lot more than they saw in October. Yeah, I agree with all that. Interesting statistical change here after the last week of regular season games in the Big 12 and what TCU did to Iowa State, which honestly was a little bit shocking, but I think the Cyclones just shut her down. Um K-State finishes the regular season with the top scoring defense in the Big 12, surrendering just 19.4 points a game. TCU, of course, has the best scoring offense at 41.3. So this is a clash of styles. But the stats are deceiving in this. While TCU's defense is fourth in the conference, and they're very good, Kansas State's offense is sixth, which is in the lower half in scoring offense, but... While I didn't do the math, I got to say, with Will Howard at the helm, those numbers have gone up tremendously, and that's another factor. The first game was Will Howard got thrown into it. We didn't expect it. He played out of his mind in the first half, and then the second half, well, actually, it started at the end of the first half when I thought Colin Klein got way too conservative on the final possession for K-State. TCU scored, got the ball back, and scored. I think Colin Klein's a different play caller now, and Will Howard is a more advanced and mature quarterback because he's been through a number of games. This isn't the same K-State offense as we transition from noting that the defense will be healthier somehow, even despite the safety issues. The offense, I think, is a much different beast at this point than it was uh, in the middle of the season when TCU first saw K-State. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, the offensive line has to show up. Uh, and and overall, you know, they they played well enough, I think, uh, the first time against TCU. It, it, it wasn't a, a case of when you went to this Big 12 championship, you know, being nervous about the offensive line because, again, it – Two different halves, uh, but also two different quarterbacks. Like you said, maybe some two different game plans because of the quarterbacks. So I'm not worried about the offensive line at all. And uh, the rest of this offense has just come together. And I think Will Howard's ability um, in the passing game to open up different faucets has really helped. We we heard Sonny Dykes this week already talk about uh, the TCU media asking him, you know, what's the biggest change from this K-State offense now to when you last saw it. And obviously, you know, he mentioned Will Howard, but he he brought up the idea that they're getting Deuce Vaughn back to the Deuce Vaughn that we saw in 2020 and 2021 in terms of flexing his ability as a receiver, getting him in matchups that he can win against linebackers. And while I agree with that, I also think that one of the areas that we've seen this offense really take shape here down the stretch has been at the tight end position. 
I think we've seen Ben Sennett become a difference maker. We've seen them start to look Sammy Wheeler's way a little bit more. And remember, Wheeler caught a touchdown against TCU. So they're well aware you know, of, of his abilities and the threat that he can bring in certain situations. But now you add a guy like Ben Sennett into the mix who was nicked up that, that first game against TCU. I think that's another thing. And I, that opens things up for Philip Brooks, it opens things up for Malik Knowles and obviously Deuce Vaughn and maybe even DJ Giddens a little bit too. Much, much more balance, I think, because obviously of what Will Howard brings in, in the passing game, but also the development we've seen from these receivers. It's, it, it's a much different beast, but I will say, as Chris Kleiman pointed out this week, it's a really fast TCU defense. Yeah. And so even even though they're not really where they're supposed to be all the time, they can make up for it really quick. So uh, they're, they're a tough group to really, you know, hit the home runs on, although K-State somehow did that that first time around. They did. I think Will Howard caught him off guard, and let's be honest, he he made some fantastic throws, and his receivers attacked the ball, which is something they haven't had a great history of doing, but I look at that Cade Warner touchdown, he just literally took the ball away from a defender. In case it's going to have to be aggressive on the offensive side, and I don't just mean in play calling, I feel like this Kansas State offensive line has had some really uneven performances this year. Some games they've gotten pushed around, but other games, and I go back to Oklahoma when I I first noticed it, particularly a guy like KT Levinson is, is so locked in and fired up and motivated and they start kicking butt and they've got to do that. They've got to match the physicality of TCU in the process of opening up holes for Deuce Vaughn to operate, but you got to keep Will Howard healthy and protected and TCU has a history of injuring quarterbacks throughout the course of this season. Whether you want to say that's dirty or not, the reality is quarterbacks haven't finished the game very often against TCU. In fact, K-State went through two. They got down to their third stringer before Will Howard came back. You got to match the physicality up front, and I feel like if K-State wants to win, this offensive line's got to be badasses on Saturday. Well, the offensive line, I think the the element for me that, that they have to be better at is TCU's three man front is athletic. They're, they're not great in size, um, but they're great in their mobility. Um, we saw Dominic Williams, a true freshman um, nose guard um, had, he really came on in that game, graded out pretty well from pro football focus as well. Got the better of, you know, Hadley Panzer a few times, Hayden Gillum. And again, a lot of it is just his mobility. And so when you're going to do these stretch plays, when you have, you know, KT Levinston pull from his tackle spot or, you know, Cooper BB pull, it's got to be tight and you've got to get to that man quick um, because otherwise TCU's got the athleticism to get there there before you and blow the play up. And I think the other area too, the two areas that I think K-State's offense can really do a good job against TCU because they did it the first time and they're better equipped to do it now is you've got to stretch the field uh, horizontally, I think, as well as, as vertically. And that seems like an obvious thing, but it, it makes these safeties be more accountable. These safeties, that's been what TCU's blueprint for years, even going back to Gary Patterson, is these ridiculously athletic, balanced safeties that are gifted in run support and coverage. And if you can stretch the field, as we saw K-State do a little bit, get to the side 
line. Those guys got to come downhill. They've got to help, um, you know, the, the corners that are being blocked on the outside by receivers in run support. And so getting Deuce Vaughn on these stretch plays to the outside can open some things up then over the middle because the safeties have to stay true. They've got to play both elements of their, of their game plan. And the other area that I really like K state and this one fits. And again, this is going back to where Sammy Wheeler and Ben Sennett can make a difference is the TCU linebackers are not equipped to cover. They're just not. Um, and we saw Will Howard time and time again in that first half, find little soft pieces in that zone over the top of a guy like a linebacker, like Johnny Hodges or Jamoy Hodge. Um, now you've got Johnny Hodges coming into this game. Uh, the transfer from Navy, who's a really good run-stopping uh, linebacker, he's already, it sounds like, might not be 100%. Wasn't uh, the, their last game against Iowa State. It sounds like they're kind of nursing him this week to get him back um, to playing in Arlington. But e- even at 100% fits, he's not equipped to handle the coverage, to backpedal. Um, I think that you get Sammy Wheeler, Ben Sennett, um, even Malik Knowles and, and Kate Warner coming across the middle, maybe 10 to 15 yards where you can kind of lay it over in between the safeties and the linebacker. Colin Klein did a great job of it in October. I see no reason why K-State can't be even better at it this time around. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And let's not forget one other thing. K-State is more solidified in special teams now than they were, thanks to Ty Zintner and what he's brought to the field goal situation. And K-State missed two field goals in that game. One of them into the wind might have been a lot to ask, but Chris Tennant just wasn't driving the ball in that game, whether it was in or into or with the wind. He didn't pregame and warmups. He'd do it, but in the game, he was kind of floating it out there. And now we see Tennant out there. um, No, excuse me. Now we see Zentner out there actually driving the ball through the uprights. Those missed field goals were just huge momentum swings, let alone what they did, losing six points and a 10-point loss, changing the complexion of how K-State had to play. I just feel like the special teams has to hold up its end of the bargain, just like always in a close game for Kansas State if the Wildcats want to get over the hump. Oh, I mean, absolutely. They, they have to win that third element. And, you know, I think they absolutely can now because you've got Ty Zintner handling field goal duties now there there is no wind in in the jerry in the jerry world um and then you've got obviously everything he's doing as a punter i mean you could make a very strong case that he you know could have should have been uh more in the conversation as a ray guy award finalist um and then i also go over to tcu side you know griffin bell their kicker has been outstanding this year um but i'm looking at their their injuries kind of late in the year. And you look at a guy like Darius Davis is so dangerous as a return man. You know, it sounds like he, they're getting him back to full strength. He's going to play. It sounds like on Saturday, but is he a hundred percent? Does that kind of, you know, negate his threat and his ability uh, as a kick return guy, Tay Barber, um, the receiver, I think he can do some, some damage too in special teams. Uh, you know, he didn't play against Iowa state and he's been um, so good or didn't play against Baylor, excuse me. And he's been so good since K-State last faced TCU. In fact, he's kind of become their their biggest weapon when with Quentin, Quentin Johnston um, being out, although it sounds like he'll be back for Saturday. But, you know, Tay Barber's really taking that next step. But even he's, again, maybe not 100%. So I think for K-State and special teams, you might give them the edge just 
not knowing, uh, you know, how uh, uh, strong and, and healthy some of TCU's critical special teams pieces are. No, it'll be very interesting. At the end of the day, do you think Kansas State can go down to Arlington and steal the Big 12 championship away from the grasp of an unbeaten team headed for a national uh, title contention? It sounds familiar. seems like I'm having flashbacks. Um, Do you think K-State can get this done? I think a lot of it will hinge on, obviously, the defense. You know, how these safeties perform. Um, especially a guy like VJ Payne that's getting more and more run now with injuries. Um, can they pressure Max Duggan? You know, it's funny. I was actually conversing with a, a Big 12 support staffer um, that has some K State ties. Um, and so obviously he's prepared for both teams. I just asked him, you know, who, where do you see K State, you know, having an edge? Where do you see TCU having an edge? And he said, I'll put it bluntly to you, Wally. I, I just think it's going to be come down to which which quarterback you know is more flustered it's not even about blitzing or necessarily pressure but just who is has it in their mind that you know they've got to get rid of it who's more uncomfortable and when you go back and look at pro football focus the difference in max duggan when he's kept clean versus when he's under pressure is remarkably different pro football focus grades him at a 90.5 when he's kept clean 73.9 completion percentage. When he's under pressure, that grade drops to a 53, 44% completion. The correlation to his passes of passes that are 10 or more yards versus passes that are, you know, near the line of scrimmage or, you know, five yards and and under, uh, there's a massive correlation too with that. And so long, long winded answer here. I think K-State can get this done because I think they have a blueprint now, um, having seen TCU once before, knowing kind of the strengths and weaknesses here, that this is a motivated team. Uh, this is a team that's well-coached uh, that I think Joe Klannerman's going to, you know, doesn't have to dial up a whole lot, but I think knows that the the blueprint to fluster Max Duggan can kind of get them off their off their game plan a little bit. And again, playing with a lot of pressure and with a team like TCU. We think they'll probably get into the college football playoff even with a loss, but you know, they're undefeated. They they haven't been put in a lot of these scenarios and it's it's we're deep into the season for a team that hasn't had a bye since, you know, early September. So I, I think K State's their worst nightmare because it's a team that just keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming, assignment sound, physical. And so I'll leave you with this fits. I'm picking K State because history says it's really hard to beat a team twice. Twenty twenty one Big Twelve Championship came down to Baylor and Oklahoma State. Baylor won. Guess who won the uh the regular season? Oklahoma State. Twenty twenty. Regular season, it was Iowa State that beat OU. Championship game, Sooners got the better of Iowa State. And even 2018, it was Texas and Oklahoma. Texas got the better of Oklahoma in the regular season, but it was the Sooners at the championship game. Uh, it's it's really hard to do fits. And I think K-State has all the pieces in play to get it done because they're united front. <laughs> they're, you know, incredibly sound for the most part in, in the game plan. And again, I just think TCU's time might be up with this one. So I'm taking the Wildcats in a heavily entertaining, heavily competitive game. Yeah. You know, Chris Kleiman said famously at his introductory press conference four years ago that football is football. Well, I'm going to disagree with him on this. 
Not many times at this level do you get to see the same opponent twice in a season, but at the FCS level, Chris Kleiman and some of these coaches did it on a regular basis, so they're very familiar with how to prepare for part two within a season, which is very strange for college football at this level. But here we go. Well, I appreciate it so much. And as we head into break, let's hear from Chris Kleiman. I ask him a number of questions about this team at Tuesday's press conference, and there's some other Q&A in here from other folks. But here is Kansas State coach Chris Kleiman, who won a bunch of national championships at North Dakota State by beating teams twice. Coach, with your history in the FCS level, playing the same team yep. twice in the season, how does that change your preparation for that team? Um, you know, we've done that an awful lot, and y you still look at the most recent body of work. You know, for us, it was six games, then played them, and we had a plan for those six games. And then you got to look at the next six games. You got to see what worked, did what didn't work. You don't want to reinvent the wheel in any in any respect because there's a reason why we're here. There's a reason why they are here. Yeah, you've got to make uh, some adjustments to to the plan and offense, defense, and teams. It's going to still come down to a lot of one-on-one -on -one matchups, but. Um, um, try not to make too much of it other than you you and and our players, their players know who they're going against. Um, but schematically, you still have to do what your kids know. How far has your offense come or evolved since that second half at TCU where it was such a struggle for Will and the offense? Yeah, a um, couple things. We didn't see the ball very much because we couldn't get it back from them. Um, but uh, I, I just think there's so much more comfortable um, being that Will's played a, a handful of games now and taken, you know, the majority of the reps with the ones for the last uh, uh, three plus weeks, I think he's confident. I think the the players are confident in him, and um, you know, I, I'm excited to to see, you know, as this week unfolds, uh, some of the. Well, things that uh, we come up with, some of the wrinkles maybe off of a specific look to what we do really well and still comes down to getting the ball into our playmakers' hands. Teams often take the, the character of their quarterback mm -hmm. throughout the team. Does TCU reflect Max Duggan's toughness and tenacity? Yeah, and uh, you talk about a team that has overcome a, an awful lot of adversity as well. They've had a number of games where it, came down to the last possession or two and they found a way whether it was on offense or on defense you know the the defensive effort they put out against Texas was was phenomenal to the last drive against Baylor where they have to uh, have a hurry up field goal to win it um, yeah you can tell he's um, the leader of the football team I'm sure they got a bunch but uh, uh, I'm just really impressed with him because he's such a competitor you're getting kind of thin at safety. I think we saw Max Marsh play a little yep. bit even last Saturday. Some of that, too, I think you were trying to pace Steiger's uh, eligibility to yep. keep his Richard. Is, did that play into it? Yep, a little bit of everything. Uh, that's all I can say is a little bit of everything. Um, Max has taken a lot more reps. Mash Marsh probably taking a lot more uh, reps than Kendra over the, over the long body of work. Um, because Kendra wasn't here for spring ball, missed a good chunk of the summer, uh, was here for fall camp, played a couple of different positions. We were still learning about him, uh, trying to hold his shirt if we could. And um, that was a unique game plan last week. 
Uh, KU does an awful lot of stuff with uh, some motions and things that maybe Max and, and Mash had seen a lot more than Kendra. Uh, everybody's on the table to play this week. They have to be. Uh, we'll mix and match as best we can back there uh, again. Um, positive thing is we didn't lose anybody from the game against KU, so everybody should be available. I think this was kind of the timetable maybe you were expecting to maybe get Adrian back. Yeah. What's his status? Um, you know, Will's going to be the guy, and uh, Adrian has helped us get to this moment without question because of his body of work that he's done in the first half of the season. Um, yeah, there's an outside chance that uh, he could he could be available this week. We'll learn probably more Wednesday and Thursday. And if he is, um, like I said, Will will be the guy, but we've got to have a package or something for Adrian just because of the, the unique skill set that he does have. Coach, I want to ask you about Will. He he talked about after the game on Saturday, he talked to the guys after the TCU game and said, we feel like we're going to see these guys again. Have you kind of felt that attitude permeate throughout the locker room? Um, no. You know, that's more of a player deal, I'm guessing. Um, we, we lost that game, and we had to find ways to, uh, to continue to get better and try to win each week because we had a tough schedule still ahead of us. And I know as coaches, we never – had that cross our minds. We were trying to get ready for each upcoming opponent. And and once again, if you if you try to look ahead, you're going to get knocked off and beat. And so um, never came across my mind. I'm sure the guys talk, they talk about a lot of things. Um, and it never really entered my mind, honestly, until after the West Virginia game where it was, okay, we know if if we win, who the opponent's going to be? We even though TCU probably uh, secured their spot long ago, we never even thought about that stuff. So then at least we could start some advanced scouting on them. And then when you think about that game against TCU, you guys obviously had a lot of injuries. Kind of taking time to reflect on it, did that maybe help your depth in the long run? It could have. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that, uh, as you watch the tape, that played especially on defense that. Um, uh, either are not playing right now or helping us on special teams. Um, you know, I, I, you forget we played three quarterbacks that game. I mean, I, I when I was going back and looking at it, I forgot that that uh, uh, Rubes even got in there. Um, but no, that was uh, a physical game. We lost some some bodies, but uh, they they came back and beat us. I mean, that that we can say all we want about we didn't do this or didn't do that. Give TCU credit; they came back from being down. Um, and stayed the course and stayed in the fight and found a way to get ahead and, and win the ball game. And we have to find ways to to finish plays, finish drives, uh, get off the field on defense. That's the biggest thing that I think that uh, disappointed us is we couldn't get off the field on defense. Thus, our offense just never had the ball much in that second half. In what ways would you say TCU is maybe different now than they were when you guys first played them? I, I, they're better. I mean, I, I hope we're better. Um, for, for going through the the games that we have, you know, after you know, whether we've, even though we suffered one loss after that, we had some really good road wins that uh, are in tough places to win. Uh, and so I think our guys gained some confidence there. But I, I know they're better. Um, you know, they've had 
tough games. It's not like, you know, you take this last week where they got after Iowa State, exception of that, they had hard-fought wins. And when you have those games, it makes you better because you, you got to find ways when maybe it's not going right all the time, uh, whether it was them playing Texas Tech to playing Baylor to playing uh, Texas. I mean, it's coming down West Virginia. All those were, were battles. And same with us. Just finding a way to win, it makes you better, makes you makes your guys feel more confident when the game gets in the fourth quarter that you have a chance to win. Coach, after 12 games, how would you describe this version of Kansas State? One, we've become more disciplined. Um, our penalties have been down. Our turnovers have been down. We've been opportunistic uh, with our offense when we get turnovers. Um, we have stayed in the fight when things aren't going well to the questions we have before of, boy, we can't stop somebody early on. We stay in the fight to... You know, we're not doing real well offensively in the second half at times to staying in the fight. I think our, our guys know it's never going to be easy, and they have to find a way to, to stick together, believe in each other, believe in the process, believe in the program, uh, that um, you know, if you attack each day one day at a time, get yourself prepared uh, every, every day to be good on Saturday. And our kids have done a phenomenal job from the last practice on Thursday, and we talk about this every week, the last practice on Thursday to when we play that game on Saturday, whether that's uh, 48 hours to a night game to about 40 hours to an early afternoon or morning game, they attack the heck out of that last 40 hours with all the preparation, all the walkthroughs, all the meeting to make sure that they're focused and ready to play. That does it for the first half of the PowerCat pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. When we come out of break, you will hear from Deuce Vaughn and Will Howard about this game, about where this team sits in its preparations for game number 13, the game that will decide if Kansas State does indeed win the Big 12 championship. We will be right back with more on the PowerCat pregame podcast. This is Kansas State's Felix Enidike Uzama. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat pregame podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and welcome back to the PowerCat pregame podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. What do you mean to bring home a trophy? 
Uh, it'd be it'd be big time just from the fact that we've been working for this for 11 months now uh, and really 12 now that we're in December uh, we set out for uh, this goal to accomplish this goal back in January and all the work the the sweat the tears the preparation that's been put in all these up to this week uh, so it'd be just a big thank you to everybody that's poured into us uh, this entire year uh, if we could win this championship this weekend what's your anticipation level for this game um, man I'm, I'm, I'm geeked up right now I'm not gonna lie when I when I woke up on Monday, uh, everything had to be amped up. The way you watch film, the way you take care of your body, uh, the way that you practice, the way that you just go through everything throughout your day because, man, this is this is it. This is what you've worked for. This is what we worked so hard for. You can't let up the gas right now. Uh, and that's kind of what's been echoed as, as a team. And, I mean, I feel like we're doing a great job even though it's only Tuesday. Twelve games later, what do you know about this team? Man, we got 115, 120 guys that uh, have all types of different roles on this team, but all have bought into that role, understanding that uh, they're crucial to, to the success of this team. They're crucial to everything that, that goes on inside this building. And, uh, man, just the, the team and the family atmosphere that we have on this football team give us a, gives us a chance to go and win every Saturday. Uh, man, we're out there competing for each other, uh, playing for each other, and that's big for the football team. How you feeling going up to the Big 12 championship game? It's uh, it's awesome. It's uh, it's a really good feeling because you know, it's what we've wanted and it's it's our goal that we've had, and you know just to be able to make it isn't enough for us. Um, but you know it's it's cool to be able to be in the position that we are and to have the opportunity to go, you know, achieve our goal and uh, and you know I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. Is there a sour taste in your mouth still from that last game? A bad memory maybe of how that played out? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I feel like, you know, we're definitely going to remember the fact that we didn't score any points in that second half. Uh, I feel like we, you know, we kind of left some things out there. Um, and, you know, I think TCU is a really good team, but I think that was a game that we kind of let slip away from us a little bit. Um, so, you know, I'm looking, for the, looking forward to the opportunity to play them again because they're heck of a heck of a ball team and, and uh, you know, I, I think that I have a lot of respect for him. And, uh, you know, I think just being able to go down there and, you know, take him on in, in this on this stage is going to be going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really cool. Looking back to your first game of the year, mm -hmm. you get thrown into the fire at TCU. <laughs> Honestly, when you look back at that, were you kind of like, hey, I'm out here dealing. This is going after mm -hmm. what you've been through. How, what was that like? It felt good. You know, it was it was. It brought some confidence, you know, and it felt like I was finally kind of doing what I was capable of doing. And uh, it was kind of refreshing a little bit, you know, to kind of felt like I had kind of gotten over that over that hump of, of um, that struggle. Um, you know, and I know there's going to be struggles in the future. I know it's not all going to go perfect, but it just kind of showed me what I was capable of and, and kind of proved myself right. You know, I, you always say, like, you want to prove everyone wrong, but kind of prove myself right. And, and that was what meant meant the most to me, and and it was really cool to kind of see that kind of work out a little bit. Obviously, you know, not getting the win that at the end of the day it didn't didn't matter what what I did if if we didn't get the win. So I'm excited to get another shot at these guys. I think they're they're a really good team, but they're beatable. That was Deuce Vaughn and Will Howard talking about this opportunity to play TCU for the Big 12 title game, 11 a.m. Saturday morning in Arlington, Texas at the Jerry Dome AT&T Stadium. And remember, folks, before we get to our interview with Brian Hanley, who is standing by, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame 
podcast. And now, with Deuce Vaughn and his NIL, Robbins Motor Company has hooked him up with a Porsche. And now we bring in our football analyst, the one and only Brian Hanley, who will, I think, be at the game on Saturday. You'll be at the game, yep. won't you? Yeah, you're absolutely. It's right in your neighborhood. We took a game to your backyard. You should probably <laughs> show up. Brian, uh, this is a fascinating game because I, I don't cover this, playing a team twice in the same season in college football. Chris Kleiman does. Some of his coaches do. I think there's a small advantage to that. But at the end of the day, you have to learn what you learned from the first TCU game and not outthink yourselves, which I think some coaches might do. Does this really impact the game that much that these two teams have seen each other in week seven of the K-State schedule? I don't know if it impacts it, you know, tremendously, but I I definitely think there are things that you get from it. Um, I mean, I have no experience. Well, I take that back. In junior college, we did play the team once. Um, But the one thing that you can get is kind of the speed of the game. Not that you don't know it, but, you know, speed of the game is different from week to week based on who you play. And you get a sense of that if you've played somebody. So the one thing about this, it's a championship game, Big 12 championship. Things will be ratcheted up just a notch, you know, just because of the atmosphere. So the adrenaline will be a little higher. But you can get some stuff from it. You absolutely can get some stuff. You can look at tendencies um, and things of that nature. But it'll be a different game plan, I'm thinking, on both sides. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, of course, Will Howard came in for the first time this season and shocked us all in the first half. I asked Will about that on Tuesday, and he was a little bit shocked, um, you know, that everything was going so smoothly. Then K-State lost its way, particularly uh, on the defensive side of the ball where so many injuries piled up, and they couldn't get TCU off the field. But at the end of the day, Brian, I look at this, and getting back to your point, K-State has said this is the fastest, most physical team they played last year or this year um, during the season, and they got to match that. they got to match the physicality even if you can't quite match the speed with some of those safety absences you have to match or exceed the physicality and i don't feel like they did that in game one they didn't um it it just the tackling uh the the fits in in spots where they were supposed to be um and they tried to run around tackles and run around blocks you can't run around blocks in big time football it's impossible when you do you leave holes you leave gaps and that's what happened now a lot of that was because guys got hurt and the guys that they that we had to put in you know weren't used to the speed weren't used to the physicality but it happened a little bit before guys started getting hurt too i don't want to leave just let injuries be the main excuse for all of that because you can see the wheels starting to, to unravel a little bit Having said that, it doesn't mean that things can't change, and it doesn't mean that we don't have a defense that can match that intensity now because that's what they're going to have to do. TCU is fast. They're physical. We're just going to have to match it. Yep, they they really do, and they're going to have to get some pressure on Max Duggan and make him a little bit uncomfortable. I'll be curious to see how they go about that because I think it's obvious he's less productive when he's under a little bit of pressure, and you give him operating time, he'll he'll cut you apart. But I want to delve into your expertise as a former offensive lineman here because, again, with the physicality, I felt like Kansas State lost control of its offensive side of the ball in the second half. They were yeah. getting outmatched, outpowered out want to if that's a phrase you want to use, by the mm-hmm. TCU defense. This offensive line for K-State has been up and down. Brother, they better be up on Saturday. 
Yeah. I mean, and that was the thing. They got out physical. Um, a little bit of that was they weren't necessarily put in the best position to make the plays that they needed to make. We can say that with a certainty. We saw it. We got super, super conservative. Also, the one of the things is, is that TCU made an adjustment and just said, you're not going to run the football. And they didn't allow us to run the football. And they said, if you're going to throw it on us, which you did in the first half, fine. We'll let you throw it. And we weren't able to hold up even really with pass protection or anything. It was just, it was bad in the second half. We got ultra conservative. Will Howard had that shoulder injury. Uh, I think it was a shoulder injury. Um, And so it was just, you know, it was just a bad half of football all around. But the offensive line has to be physical the entire football game, not for a half. Not wait to see what happens in the first half and get it going in the second half, like against KU. We have to come out and be the more physical football team right off the bat without question. Well, I mentioned this to Ryan Wallace, and I don't want to harp on it too much, but I went back and watched that injury to Will Howard, and it was dirty. I mean, you know, the defensive yeah. player did the whole arms out of the side free fall with all of his body weight onto the quarterback. I think it should have been a flag. But putting that aside, does that make you and the fact that they've injured five starting quarterbacks intentionally or not, they're very physical and they will get you if you expose your quarterback. Does it make you maybe bring your pull your reins in a little bit with the quarterback run game to not expose him to these open field shots? I mean, you can do that, but it depends on is that going to be a big part of your game plan? to win the football game, because if it is, this is the Big 12 championship game. You let it all hang out. You know, I, that's just my opinion. If if your quarterback run game is how you're trying to win, then it, it is what it is. You know, injuries are going to happen in football no matter what you do. You know, you can run the safest play in the history of football and somebody can get hurt. So if that's what we're going to worry about or would worry about based on that, it's a mistake. Um, So we just have to go win a football game, let everything hang out. If a guy gets hurt, a guy gets hurt, you know, and I know that dampers what we can do. But you know what? They have football players that could get hurt, too. So it's just the way that it goes. That's one of the things I love about Max Duggan. He's taking some shots. And, in fact, if we want to throw accusations around of cheap shots, Khalid Duke took one on him, and and uh, he got up, and Khalid Duke went out of the game with a penalty. So that's right. been a real key for TCU. Max Duggan is a tough son of a you-know-what. He just yes. keeps playing, keeps playing. And I feel like, and I asked Kleiman about this yesterday. We heard it earlier in the show. I feel like TCU's kind of taken on his demeanor. Yeah, we might be banged up and bruised, but we're still playing. We're still here. We're tougher than you. This is a tough team, and I really admire that. Yeah, they're they're a tough football team you know they kind of taken on the identity of their quarterback uh tough gritty uh but also can be finesse when they need to be finesse that's why they're so good you know they can they can match your toughness but when they need to be a finesse speed team they can do that so that's what makes the challenge so difficult this week in attacking them and trying to beat them because they are a really good football team that can do a lot of different things and when you can do a lot of different things you know as a, as a football team that means you're you're really really good and and that's tcu in a nutshell that they're physical speed but tough and gritty they absolutely are and then you know and they're battle tested 
I mean, hey, all these close games and games that they've come from behind, you can't do those things if you're not tough. You just can't. Okay, I want to set all of this up with uh, a few things here. First of all, you're a good friend, and I love you, brother. But we got to talk about 98. You were on a team that was unbeaten, on the cusp of playing for a national title. It's all there in the championship game against a team that is viewed as inferior to you, and it slipped away. What is the mental approach the unbeaten team has to take in this game? What, If you could give advice to TCU as someone who's been through the worst of this, what would it be? You know, I, I think... I mean, I would say if I was giving TCU advice, don't treat it like a normal football game. I know that that everybody's, oh, it's just another football game. It isn't. And if you can't handle pressure at this stage of the game, then you shouldn't even be playing. That's just my personal opinion. And we treated it like it was every other football game. Uh, we had penalties. We had turnovers, things of that nature that we didn't button up all the time. And it cost us. It just did. And if you treat it as a bigger football game, maybe some of those things get buttoned up. I've always been a proponent of that, Fitz, of treating the moment like the moment. I, I try to live my life that way. I've had some tragedies in it and why I do that. Treat the moment like it's the moment. And TCU, this is your opportunity to go play for a national championship or to play in the college playoff. Treat it like that. Don't treat it like you're playing Iowa State or Kansas State in a regular season. It's not the same. It's just not the same. And and again, if that brings on butterflies, of course, everybody's nervous. But this is big-time college football. If you can't handle it, then you probably shouldn't be there anyway. And I, I don't believe that, that that's necessarily the case because there's pressure everywhere, man. Okay, so let's flip this around now. Coach Chris Kleiman calls Brian Hanley and says, mm-hmm. hey, I want you to talk to the team on Friday or on Saturday before the game. What would be your message as someone who's been in an enormous football game at the championship game level? Don't take it for granted. Do not take it for granted. Leave it all out on the field. This is your opportunity to make a mark on not only this season, but in college football history. And what I say history is to knock, so to potentially knock somebody out of it. I mean, this is your your moment to, to shine and to win a Big 12 title. Don't take it for granted. Leave it all out on the field. You don't know when these operate. I mean, when's the K-State's never been in a, a champ. Well, I take that back. We were, was it 2000? The last time we were in a championship Two, game? 2003, yeah. Yes, 2003. That's right. So it's been a while, <laughs> needless to say. So, you know, it, it's just don't take it for granted. Leave it out on, on the field. This is your moment to shine. Yeah, there's pressure, but you know what? pressure comes with a lot of different things man and there's a lot bigger things that happen in your life are going to happen in your life than a football game so not that much pressure when you break it all down just go win the football game absolutely well kansas state comes into this game with a huge opportunity to win its third big 12 title 2003 um of course and then 2012 where there wasn't a championship game they won it on the field by beating texas in the final game of the season and this one it's an enormous opportunity for the program and for the players and coaches on this team win or lose though it appears they're going to go to the sugar 
Bowl because they'll either be conference champion and go with a win over TCU or they'll be conference runner-up and replace TCU that will be in the college football playoff. Awaiting there, by all accounts, should be Alabama. This question was posed on our podcast by one of our subscribers at GoPowerCat. If you could only win one game, the conference championship against TCU on Saturday or the Sugar Bowl against Alabama on New Year's Eve day, which would you pick? Big 12 title. Me too. Nobody remembers who won the Sugar Bowl in, I don't know, let's call it 2015. Who won the Sugar Bowl? Nobody remembers that. Everybody remembers who won the conference championship. That just, it's just the way it works, True. man. If it's not the national championship, and I'm not saying those games aren't important. So I don't want anybody to think that, that bowl games and big time bowl games aren't important. They are crucial to, especially the Kansas state program, but everybody remembers a conference title. That's just the way that it works these days. And it's more important to your program to win a conference title than it is to win the sugar bowl. It just, it's, it's great to be in the sugar bowl. But to say that whether you want or not, because circumstance, especially in this landscape, the circumstances, you have no idea what's going on. It's just way more important to win the conference title. Yeah, I would. I totally agree with you. But I also don't agree with the premise of the question. Just go win both and be fantastic. There you go. So there I'm, you go. I've never asked you this question. And um, yeah. I, I'm curious because I remember where I was when I saw Michael Bishop fumble. I was walking along the sideline, heading down to cover the postgame celebration, and I saw the ball slide down the side of his leg. And I looked at the guys with and said, I think Michael just fumbled. What do you remember from that play? I was blocking a guy. I, I can tell you exactly what happened. It was quarterback draw. It was open. He had the first down. And I remember my guy ran up the field, and I'm thinking, oh, man, because it was behind me and Randall Cummings. I'm like, this is going to be wide open. And it was. And I remember there was kind of a little – he got hit, and he was moving, and then he got, the, the ball came out, and I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness. I go, all he had to do was fall down. But there was a lot of people. It wasn't – I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't his – or it was his fault. He, he – I mean, there was a lot of people there. He just got hit, and the ball came out. And I just remember kind of running after it, but there were way too many people in front of me. And I thought, unbelievable. I, I was like, it's just not going to be in the cards for us. And, and I know that's a bad thing to say, but I'm an honest person. I'm like, literally, the game is over if he gets to the ground, the game would have been over and he just couldn't get to the ground. I've been around a lot of football and I'm just like, man, they, they don't, the, the football guys don't want us to win today because yep. we had the game. Yep. We literally had the game. <laughs> well, with all that said, I will still get in a bar fight to say Michael Bishop might be the greatest college football quarterback of all time, at least oh, my absolutely. lifetime when I'm old. He, he was absolutely magic. Yeah, I will fight anybody tooth and nail. I will talk, not, not fist fight, but I will get into any argument about a, being a competitor. and be, I mean, he revolutionized what quarterbacks are in the college game as far as running quarterbacks. It was him first. I mean, it was him. And everybody copied off of what Coach yeah. Snyder put together with Michael Bishop. No ifs, ands, or buts. Anybody that tells you different either doesn't know or they're lying. Well, I, if that bar fight ever comes, I hope I'm with you because there's not many people <laughs> in this world that I can hide behind or would trust to take care of me. Uh, <laughs> and one of them would be you. So that's good. Oh, okay. 
That's good. <laughs> Brian, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really anxious to see this game because I think K-State's going to come out with all everything blaring, but, you know, shooting, aiming at the Frogs. I think it's going to be an awfully good game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good football game. And just what you said, I think K-State, they're going to leave everything out there. And you have to. No bullets left in the chamber. You can't do it. I know that's that's a bad thing to say in, the, in today's day and climate, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, you just you can't leave any bullets in the chamber. Just let them all loose, and whatever happens, happens. This is our moment. It literally is our moment to – I'm not going to say shock the world because, again, we're a good football team, okay? But it's our opportunity on national TV for everybody to see, you know what? Kansas State is really good, and all it takes is one or two other kids to see the same thing, and it will just help the program, man, that, because that's all I'm about, getting the program better each and every day. Thank you, Brian Hanley, and now let's bring in our actual player interview, and it's Eli Huggins, one of my favorite players on this team, because maybe the biggest recruiting wins for Kansas State this offseason wasn't in this recruiting class. It was getting Eli Huggins at nose tackle and Ty Zittner as a specialist to return for their super senior seasons. That's right, the sixth year because of the COVID season, they were rewarded, and both of them have played significant roles on this team. But now let's get to our chat with senior nose tackle Eli Huggins, and after that, we'll hear from our our own gambling expert, the man who knows the lines and has a lot of thoughts, Ryan Gilbert. But here is Mr. Eli Huggins. Man, it's been a journey. Um, a, a few ups and downs, a lot more ups and downs, I'd say. Uh, had a goal of making it to, to where we're at right now. Um, I guess we didn't take the the easiest path there or maybe the, the path we planned, but we ended up where we want to be at the end of the day. Coach just talked about the fact that the big difference the first time with TCU was you couldn't get them off the field in the second half. What what do you guys as a defense need to do differently? Tackle better, communicate better. I mean, that, that's been pretty much all year long. Anytime we've had issues on defense, it's come down to tackling and communication, which sounds so simple. Um, but, it, I mean, it's tough, especially when you're playing the quality of backs and receivers and stuff we're playing in this league. And um, we're fortunate to have such great fans. You know, it just gets so loud sometimes. It's hard to communicate out there. So we're working on all those things this week. If we share that up, I, I think we'll be successful. How big of a problem was that this last Saturday with the crowd noise? Yeah, I mean, that was probably the best crowd all year, in my opinion, especially with the, the weather and everything, to still stick it out and be there and be loud. Um, we just had to simplify some things down and make communication easier. How difficult is TCU to handle up front? They've got a good front, no doubt. Um, I'd say they're definitely top half of the conference. Uh, their center's a really good player. Their guard's probably um, – one of their guards probably the best guard uh, in the conference besides BB. So, yeah, they, they've definitely got a good front. Could you have envisioned being in this place when you played Stanford a year ago? Yeah, I mean, it's weird how everything comes back around. I mean, I, I was hoping to be in this place. Um, I mean, I, I came back for my sixth year for a reason. I knew, I knew we uh, had a really good team and a good opportunity. There's not many opportunities that you get to play a team two times. So, um, definitely have a little chip on our shoulder, have something to prove. I don't want to say I'm happy we lost the first time, but it, it's hard to beat a team twice, so I think we're in a good spot. And now we bring in our own Sports betting expert, Ryan Gilbert, who actually does well at sports betting, unlike your host here. Um, and usually, Brian, this segment's all about the Big 12, but there's only, I don't know if you know this, one game in the Big 12. It's K-State and TCU. It's championship weekend, Ryan Gilbert. It's like uh, a bunch of mini Super Bowls. 
to put it in language you might understand. It's been a while since Kansas State's been part of this weekend. I know. It really has. It's kind of cool. Of course, K-State has been to two prior Big 12 championship games in 98 and 2003. They won in 2003, and then, of course, they won a title in 12 without playing a championship game because they didn't have one back then. They took it away from us because we were bad boys. That's not at all what happened. Let's get going here. There's one Power 5 game on Friday. I got so confused by the other games going on this weekend, including you know, the lesser conferences. I'm just going to call them the lesser conferences. But the one Friday night game that counts is actually pretty damn interesting because USC, as of right now, appears to be in the college football playoff. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Utah. Utah fans travel like crazy, so this is going to be a Utah-heavy environment. I think Utah wins. Your thoughts? It's interesting because USC is certainly playing for a lot more than Utah, but yeah, I mean, they're, Utah already beat them once um, earlier this season, right? So Utah's defense is legit, giving up just 317 yards per game. And I, I'm with you. The only intriguing part about betting USC is is obviously they're playing for a lot more. But yeah. who wouldn't want to be um, who wouldn't want to be the spoiler in the situation? Yeah, we'll get to more of that later in these picks. Let's move to the one non-Power Five conference we're picking because it's the American and it does have future. Big 12 member, UCF in it. They're playing at Tulane. Tulane, which K-State lost to this season, is a four-point favorite. But I believe UCF won their first matchup of the season. Does Tulane hold on to this and advance to a New Year's Six Bowl? I feel like we're we're super biased with this, right? Yeah. I feel most around K-State would just pick Tulane because they, they were victorious over the Wildcats. Um, it's interesting. I pulled up the, the against-the-spread numbers. For, for college football and TCU is just about the best at nine, two and one. We'll get to that in a second, but there's two teams ahead of them. One of those is Oregon state. And then the other one is Tulane. So I don't want to say that that makes Tulane a great team, but maybe it makes you feel a little bit better about that loss to Tulane earlier in the season. If you're a K state fan, um, I'm going to go ahead and say that our biases are kicking in here. I'm going to go with Tulane um, because I, you know, I, I don't think we can, say it enough how impressive they looked when they were here in Manhattan a couple months back. So I like Tulane here. The stupidity of conference championship games when you have divisions is on full display this year. Let's start with the SEC where Georgia has to beat LSU and LSU's had a good season, good enough to win what was once thought to be the best division in all of college football, the SEC West. That's not particularly true this year. Gills, Georgia's a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in their conference championship game. This is stupid. Why are they playing the two best teams? Why are they doing the division thing still? But that's a lot of points. Does Georgia cover 17-and-a-half, winning by 18 or more in the SEC title game? Well, it's the exact same thing with the Big Ten. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It's another 17-point spread. We'll get to that in a second. But Georgia's, it goes without saying, going to win this game. I don't think anybody's going to put money on LSU to win. Maybe I'm wrong, but 17 and a half, you know, a lot of points. So it could go either way against the spread, but Georgia's just been a much more dominant team this year. Right. So I, I I think it's either Georgia, you stay off. Yep. I agree. I I agree. LSU is unpredictable. I mean, losing to Texas A&M was unforgivable, lost their eye on the prize. And here they are. You mentioned it. Michigan is a 17 point favorite over Purdue. 
And I mean, seriously, Purdue's in the title game. Purdue. We just mentioned the SEC West used to be the best conference or division in a conference. The Big Ten West has to be by far the worst Power Five division in history. And that says a lot when you consider how bad some of the ACC divisions have been. I would think the winner of the Sun Belt could win the Big Ten West <laughs> going away. Purdue kind of backs in, eases in. They 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 earn the right, but only because Iowa choked against Nebraska. Michigan covers this, don't they? Michigan's just too much. Yeah, I know Michigan's gotten a lot of heat for a relatively weak schedule this this year, but give them credit for the win over Ohio State. Um, and and I mean, you look at like LSU, Georgia, and then Purdue, Michigan, like. LSU and Purdue, the two bad teams that are playing, right? I mean, LSU is miles ahead of Purdue, in my opinion, right? I mean, give the SEC credit. That's a tougher conference than the Big Ten, right? And LSU still had a better record. So the more I talk about this, I might lean LSU in that game, but I certainly lean Michigan in the Big Ten championship game. Just, I mean, Michigan's going to kill them, right? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. They've got just so much to lose here. I think they'll unload Um, because, you know, all of those teams, um, Georgia and Michigan and USC, win and they're in. Same with TCU. We'll get to that in a second. First, we need to head out to the worst of the Power Five conferences this year. And by a mile, the ACC is AC Stinky. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite over North Carolina. By far the two best teams in this conference. Um, I guess, but I think Clemson stinks this year and they're the best team by far in the ACC. First of all, I wouldn't bet this game because I simply don't care, but Clemson wins this, don't they? I mean, they, they win this by more than eight points, don't they? Yeah. It's funny. Does every power five conference just stink? Yeah. Besides the Big 12. They, they get so <laughs> loaded in a, a division and for the Big 12 not having divisions, the whole conference got loaded in the process. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, I like, I mean, Clemson, I think Dabo Sweeney's got a lot more experience in a, in a big time game like this. Obviously the stakes aren't as high as they've been in the past, but I'll take Clemson. I'm with you. Yep. Dabo do. Dabo do win this game. Here we go. TC's a two and a half point favorite over Kansas state in the big 12 championship college game day will be on hand. Bright lights, big city in Arlington, two purple teams, a great matchup the first time around. Who wins this, the Frogs or the Cats? I think the line of this game is really good. I mean, I, I was thinking it'd be around a three-point line before um, this you know, line came out. It's interesting because TC was undefeated. K-State's lost three games, and they're playing in a neutral site close to home. They And they're only favored by three. And that just so, shows you how kind of disrespected they've been from Vegas, like I mentioned, they're nine, two, and one against the spread this year. If you bet TCU every game, you've made a lot of money. And the same could be said for K State, eight, three, and one against the spread. Both really good numbers for both of these teams. But the line of this game just shows you how TCU doesn't really seem like an undefeated team, right? They've had a lot of close calls this season. Give them credit; good teams find ways to win games, but. It, this is a tough one. It really is. And Kansas State's obviously wanting to play spoiler. Um, TCU's trying to go to that college football playoff, which I think is interesting. Fits. Have you seen the the simulations of you know K State can win and there's a chance they get in the playoff? And 
I, I, that doesn't seem like it's possible at all to me, right? No, but no, it doesn't. Not those numbers are out there. The the computers are out there. The computers are much more respectful of TCU than can and Kansas State uh, than the actual committee. But yeah. I don't see any way. No three loss teams getting in the playoff. I just don't see it at yeah. all. Even if your resume looks as good as Kansas State does, I mean, even their losses are Tulane, Texas, and TCU, and that's those are all three ranked teams. But no, I don't. I don't see it. But boy, we could in, be in for some surprises uh, on Championship Friday and Saturday if there's some upsets and shake things up. But boy, the committee's got to get Ohio State in. They just it's their number oh, yeah. one commitment. They, they got to. What make about it our happen. old friend Gene Taylor? Is he not going to help out? I think so. I mean, he's technically got to leave the room at certain times. <laughs> uh, but folks, if you don't know, the Kansas State AD will not be at the Big Twelve title game because he, along with the rest of the selection committee, are sequestered in a hotel. Uh, ballroom, I assume, in Dallas. They keep saying room. I don't think they're in like a in there with two queens and about twelve people. Uh, I think they'll be sequestered away, and they're going to watch a bunch of football and talk a bunch of football. But Gene can't be at the game. It's the price he pays for fame. It, it, it's not easy being important. Let me tell you. You would know. You yeah. Would know. Yeah. And by the way, everyone, our lines are from the Caesars Sports Book. Our affiliation with CBS Sports and twenty four seven Sports leads us to that because they have an affiliation with Caesars. So all of those numbers are from the Caesars app, which you can get in the state of Kansas now. But go ahead and check your favorite betting platform for your own odds. And of course, odds change as the week goes on. We will see what happens with that with the K-State game. Ryan Gilbert, thank you very much. Your expertise is always welcome. Thank you, Fitz. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. If I'd listened to you all year long, I probably would have more money. Now let's get to the wrap-up of our show. We've taken up more time than I thought we would, but here we go. It's my one thing to keep an eye on in this game, the key that might be the most important of all. And for me this week, it's the clean pocket. Who has the clean throwing pocket for their quarterback? K-State wants to knock TCU off of its offensive rhythm. It has to pressure Max Duggan. They have to find a way to get and make contact with that TCU quarterback. Give him a clean pocket and he will slice you up, and then the running game takes over, and you're in big trouble. K-State found out in the second half of the team's first meeting down in Fort Worth. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Kansas State has to protect Will Howard. If Will Howard has time to operate in the pocket, he will do some damage. And he showed that in the first half of that game at TCU earlier this year. And then TCU started to push the line of scrimmage and take over the game in the second half. Who gives their quarterback time to operate? Who keeps that pocket clean and their quarterback uninjured? That is going to be so crucial throughout this game. Well, folks, we've got a lot of coverage at GoPowerCat.com. Make sure you go check us out. And including in that, if you're one of our subscribers, our VIPs, and make sure you check out our specials. There's always something going on. You can get my five keys to victory. You just heard one of them right there. But also with that goes my score prediction. However, I will tell you this. I feel good about this game for whatever reason. I felt really good about the 2003 matchup with Oklahoma that K-State knocked off what many thought was one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And this time, K-State gets clearly the best team in the Big 12 through the regular season. Somehow, someway, TCU navigated the best conference in all of college football and got out of it with a perfect record. Kudos to Coach Sonny Dykes and the Frogs and Max Duggan and everyone on this team for a season well done. 
One more game isn't fair to TCU. They should be in the playoff, no questions asked. But this conference has decided to add one more game and go back to the championship game because in 2014, TCU and Baylor were left out of the college football playoff and Ohio State was included because they lacked one final data point, a championship game. Now advanced to 2022, and TCU will have that extra data point. And if K-State can upset the Frogs, again, they might be left out of the national championship picture. Why? Because Ohio State isn't playing this weekend. They did not qualify for their championship game. And because of that, a TCU loss might mean Ohio State will advance. Why? Because they didn't have the final data point. That's college football right there. I think the Cats do win. I hope TCU gets in. They're more than deserving to be in the playoff. And whatever happens with the Cats, the next stop after Arlington is the Sugar Bowl. One step at a time, though, Kansas State would love to win a Big 12 championship. We thank our friends at Robbins Motor Company for their continuing support. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. The GPC crew will be arriving in the Dallas area on Friday afternoon. We might throw together a kind of a meetup, so keep your eyes on Twitter and our message board, Wabash Station, if you're interested in dropping by to say hello. Nothing formal, just a place where we will be. And I know where I will be on Saturday morning, and so will many of you at the Jerry Dome. So here we go. Folks, I will see you at the Jerry, I guess so, Cats and Frogs, 11 a.m. Saturday, Arlington, Texas. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.